Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle, and uh, joined today by Alex Newman. How are you, Alex? I'm good, thanks, John. Why does the sound sound different? The sound sounds different because we had a nightmare yesterday. We recorded our podcast, we came upstairs, and it had disappeared from the server. So, oh, wow. so we had you and, and your pearls of wisdom on the oil industry, which uh, we're going to talk about now. We had Algy talking about slot screens. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't work here until Friday. Um, so we sit, and we couldn't get the studio at any other time. So, so we're sitting in the little room at the back of the office. Uh, over Looking shard, recording this on our, our outdoor mic. But we've we've done the dress rehearsal though, so uh, we should be on point. Yeah, well, no, no pressure. I, I, think, I think we will. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's. I don't know. Well, you know, yesterday was good. Let's hope mm. this is good. Let's let's hope. If not, we we'll just do it again. Absolutely. <laughs> so we get it right. Okay, Alex. Let's, uh, so basically, we've saved up three three weeks worth of oil news. You you, you had something in the magazine three weeks ago. Last week, I think we uh, we had the results from uh, BP and Shell, which you yep. covered in a, in a new spotlight, and we have the cover feature this week in the wake of news about Iran. So, I mean, I think that's a good place to start. I mean, the Iran deal is the big news of the week, uh, and obviously that has massive implications for, for oil. Absolutely. So the big geopolitical story of the, the week, the Trump pulling the US out of the, uh, of the nuclear deal, this was to a degree baked into the oil price um, about a month ago uh, with the appointment of John, John Bolton into uh, Trump's foreign policy advisor uh, team uh, when that happened oil shot up because the expectation was that the nuclear deal wasn't going to be renewed still it it caused uh, uh, you know several dollars a barrel rise when it when it was uh, announced yes yeah, so that's about 77 when uh, it was yesterday yes it was <laughs> yeah and it still is yeah yeah so 77 dollars barrel brent which really i mean marks a remarkable comeback it's sort of sort of 40 percent up in the year um and that's you know off the the doldrums at the beginning of uh, 2016, uh, when it was it was trading near enough a third of uh, of what it is today. Indeed, amazing, right? Um, it's not just Iran. I mean, yeah, let's talk about why the Iran uh, or the Trump putting out of the Iran nuclear deal yeah. has an impact on the oil price. But but there are a number of other reasons why the oil price has been rising sure. strongly this year. So 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 why uh, why pulling out the Iran deal has uh, an impact is that the uh, implication is that they're going to be economic sanctions placed on trading with Iran. That means it's going to be harder for the buyers of Iran's crude and gas to um, to deal with them, lest they fall fall foul of, uh, you know, the economic sheriff of the world. Uh, and that probably is going to result in several hundred thousand barrels a day uh, coming off the market, a market which, as you, as you uh, imply there, and has been the case, is already tightening very, very, very quickly. That's a combination of factors. One, the OPEC cuts, which are now more than a year into uh, effect, uh, have um, have uh, tightened what was one of the over sources of oversupply. Added to that, you've got Venezuela, which is you know doesn't attract the same headlines as Iran in the Middle East, but that's been in in you know quite desperate and, and increasingly rapid social and economic collapse. So, so the industry, is, industry there is essentially grinding to a halt. It's, yeah, it's just break, breaking. Yeah, so the so the industry in Venezuela, um, uh, I mean, it's it's had it's sort of massive. It's been massively underfunded, so you get the you know quite rapid decline in their mature fields. Also, the international oil companies, which have been based in Venezuela, now realizing that it's it's either too dangerous or too risky a place to base themselves. So that has re- that has reduced. Um, that's been a large part of the the, the fall in production uh, over the last year. I think Venezuela currently producing slightly under 1.5 million barrels a day, and that's that's about four to five hundred thousand barrels below their 
their current target. So, so nothing to offset this then? I mean, we've heard a lot about shale in the US uh, and the growth of that industry, but that's, that's not able to plug this gap. Yeah, well, I mean, it is plugging the gap uh, to a degree, but perhaps not quite uh, as forcefully as people had expected. Added to that, you know, global uh, global demand's been pretty robust. That's that's holding up. Uh, oil is, you know, uh, as a market, is fairly inelastic, and you know, ge- the general, uh, you know, the, the general performance of the global economy, you know, is uh, you know is, is tied to uh, uh, you know. A, a Pretty strong demand uh, so far this year, particularly in Asia. I mean, it's quite it's quite ironic actually that you know the price is the oil price is doing what it's doing, given given that Trump tweeted in the first piece he wrote a few weeks ago that mm. you know one thing he was very unhappy with was the artificially what he said was the artificially very high price of oil. Um, yeah. But all he's doing is stoking it higher. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it going to go higher still? I mean, can we, can we expect this, this situation to tighten further? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't. I mean, it's it's always a daft move to rule rule out you know, where the oil price is, is potentially going to go. And some people have been talking about $100 barrel um, oil again. Uh, I mean, it's, it's possible. It seems unlikely to me that it's good that that will be an average price anytime soon, as in it may spike to uh, to much higher than $77 a barrel, particularly if we have any more shocks. Um, but it's unlikely, I think, to to reach, reach those levels. A lot would have to happen uh, for it to get into the triple... Uh, digits but yeah just to come back to the the trump tweet which you know feels like a million years ago but um only, only a couple of weeks ago that was in in relation to opec which you know is a cartel that's its job to try and control the, the the price of oil uh they probably don't want it to go super super high because you know with increasing volatility that's not you know that's not the ideal market for them to operate in uh either even though you know paradoxically they're making a lot more money at a hundred dollar Oil, potentially. Yeah, indeed. I mean, so, so you know, seventy-seven dollar oil, which is what got, and and it's likely to stay at that sort of level for for the foreseeable future. Um, that's good for the industry, is it not? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, the industry is making a lot of money at the moment. Um, if we start, you know, if we look at the and and that piece was a uh, uh, followed by uh, a piece we wrote on um, the the profits or Q one profits for Shell and BP. Um, they're not generating in those results quite as much cash as, as uh, or the cash flow wasn't quite as strong as uh, as uh, people have been expecting. But I mean, really, at these levels, they are making an awful lot of money. Uh, they've completely stripped back their cost base. Um, uh, they have, uh, you know, they're not they're not going gung ho on capital expenditure. Um, yeah, I mean, for the, for, for the oil majors like uh, BP, uh, BP, and I think particularly Shell, um, you know, they they can afford to pay. What uh, Shell's dividend is something like sixteen billion dollars a year. Add to that, they're promising twenty-five billion dollars of, of share buybacks by the end of twenty twenty. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's the, that's the sign of a of a company making a lot of money. Nice if you're an income seeker. Yeah, and I, I I mean I would yeah I think that's probably the main reason for for holding shares in in Shell. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll come back to Shell because I think yeah. I think uh, you know the status of, of, of Shell as an income stock is kind of indicative of what you're saying about the the industry as a whole in, in this week's feature. Going back to the going back a few weeks again to the first piece, mm. there were some other beneficiaries of, of the oil price rise um, at the smaller end of the market uh, for, for, for for slightly different reasons. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's probably yeah helpful to break down the market at least in in London into uh, different groups. So of those companies with current production it's it's really really good and particularly for you know certain companies like we we flagged uh 
um, Premier Oil, Enquest, Genel Energy, uh, which have uh, you know which have some quite a bit of debt on their balance sheet. This has a sort of multiplier effect. So not only are they making a lot of cash, they're also using that cash to to rapidly delever uh, their balance sheets. So if you have production, there's obviously been a premium for companies with uh, with cash generation now. Yeah, I mean it's it's looking very very good. Less good if you're you know you're reliant on these uh, this market um, allowing you to fund a future project. Well, see, that's quite interesting. That's why we, why we talk about Shell. You mentioned Shell's capex, and mm. yeah, I think you said that it wasn't you know exactly gangbusters. It's yeah. still, still spending a lot of money, yeah, yeah. but just not as, you know as much as they perhaps have in the past. And actually, I think the implication is that they're not going to spend as much in the future. Yeah, um, and, and and you can understand why that might be. You know the. Uh, Oil is sort of a resource that, that in some respect, is being phased out in certain mm. applications. Um, but with oil this high, surely that would attract investment into into the future, into big projects that, uh, that you know will, will benefit from that high oil price. Yeah, um, yeah, you'd, you'd you'd think so. Um, but I mean, the I, I think increasingly, and I think the some of the you know we we referenced a survey in the feature this week. Um, this is borne out by the the opinions of the large institutional fund managers who are increasingly um, uh, nervous about uh, the longevity of the industry and with it the valuations and you know long term income prospects of of the uh, of the market. So, so you, I mean, we talked about you know, so as you say the sort of smaller producing yeah. uh, oil companies. What you talk about in the future is mainly those companies that are looking to bring assets on the street. Uh, yeah. bring projects on street and they're the ones that you you suggest that may be struggling to find the finance they need to get these things off the ground yeah in some cases finance sometimes it's uh willingness sometimes it's having a, a joint venture partners who may have um you know who may have liquidity issues themselves but yeah i mean i think those you know the some of the companies we highlight in some of the projects we highlight in the piece they're in you know for the investor who doesn't just want an income and who may who may want to uh, yeah, who, who may want to see their uh, their return on their investment, you know, multiply in a shorter time period. Um, there are some very interesting valuation propositions out there, i.e., companies with uh, assets on their balance sheet, um, which are in no way being reflected uh, in in the share price currently. So essentially, what you're doing in this in this feature is looking at some of those projects and going kind of you know on a value investing shopping spree. Yeah, and, and actually running slide rule over some of these projects um, to see you know whether they stack up and the likelihood of them of actually getting off the ground. So, so I mean, there's there's six of them. I think yep. you mentioned. Um, perhaps perhaps an example of something that you think is a good prospect, something where the project looks a little bit more shaky. I'd caveat all of this by saying there's probably big uh, risks involved in in each of these projects in that there are numerous, numerous obstacles to realising the potential of these assets. It's not just like, you know, with a property company where they're, you know, on their balance sheet, there is a property which has been marked to, yeah, at at a certain valuation and that they can readily expect to achieve that valuation quickly. Um, But that said, uh, one one company I, I, I do think is, Approaching a very interesting situation is uh, rock hopper exploration, which, um, I mean, long-term, potentially long-suffering listeners and readers will uh, remember. Yes, the old um, Falkland story. Yeah, very, so they... Very exciting story that was too. Yes, nearly seven years ago. And, it, um, you know, some of the excitement may have may have dimmed, understandably, because they've yet to develop this, um, uh, this enormous uh, oil field. But, yeah, the tide is starting to turn and it's looking like some of the pieces are falling into place whereby they may be able to 
develop it. It's going to cost them about $1.5 billion dollars uh, in capital expenditure together with Premier Oil, which, which is the majority operator uh, of, the, of the field. I mean, it's quite interesting that, that Premier Oil is involved here. It's one of the companies that, that we mentioned earlier that's yeah. benefiting from this high oil price and being able to, to, to de-lever, yeah. uh, de-leverage itself. Presumably that situation potentially helps Premier or would encourage them perhaps to, get, to go ahead with this. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, uh, you know, the higher, the longer the oil uh, stays at, $77 a barrel, um, I'd say the more, the greater the chance this is, is going to get developed. Because, not because rock copper is benefiting from it, but indirectly it is because Premier Oil is, is making more and more cash. Let's, let's turn to one that you're mm. less convinced will, uh, will, will, will get the green light. Yeah, so one, one I think is just, I, the outlook is, despite you know elevated oil prices, that the outlook has turned slightly more negatively on is uh, Ophir Energy. Uh, so they have this, um, you know, world-class uh, liquefied natural gas asset, um, uh, Fortuna, and it, it, in Equatorial Guinea, and they uh, uh, last year they had to sacrifice some of their stake in that project um, to build a consortium to hopefully take it forward to final investment decision. Uh, final investment decision wasn't reached by the end of the year, nor was there an agreement from. Um, uh, the Chinese banks, which they said were going to put put the debt funding in place, um, there was then another uh, debt funder, which supposedly was going to offer up um, uh, uh, support for the project, and that hasn't materialised either. As a result, um, you know the shares have obviously drifted, um, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ophir announced that they are going to be buying a package of quite mature cash producing. Uh, states in, in fields in Asia, it almost feels like a a bit of a cop out, and it also I'm also struggling to see how they're going to be able to both keep the um, capital they need to fund Fortuna at the same time as now being quite distracted by this uh, other acquisition. To me, it points to regardless of what the company has said and the assurances they've given that Fortuna is still going to go ahead. It feels like it could be a bit of a bet on rising prices. It could be, yeah. And, you know, if that's proven, maybe they're able to do both and they'll come out a lot stronger as a, as a result of it. But it is, a, is a bet, though. It, the, yeah, like yeah. A bit of a gamble. Indeed. As, as, you know, as much of oil investing is. Yes, as you can find out more of in the Your Excellent Alpha report as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we can... The, the, Tons in the last few weeks. Brilliant feature. Thank you, Alex. And yeah. obviously, as I say, you can go away and, uh, and read more if you, uh, if you pick up the oil and gas alpha report that uh, was the first one we, uh, we produced. So mm. uh, thank you very much, Alex. Yeah, no nice job. That was excellent. Almost as good as yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies um, for any cars in the background there, yeah. Okay, so just that's the drama. Drama. Um, excellent. Thank you, Alex. Uh, plenty more in the magazine this week. We have Jean Rosier's diary. Uh, as I said, we have algae stock screens. Uh, what I might do is do a proper stock screen podcast at some point to, to make up for the missing algae haul. Uh, on this week's uh, this week's episode, uh, lots in the in the uh, news section, personal finance, and funds. Uh, so, thank you for listening. Thank you, Alex. And uh, yeah, pick up the magazine. All the news agents. Oil's grand finale: finding value as the oil age comes to an end. Speak soon.